Welcome to the Bazooka Luca Podcast. And now here's your host, Luca Andy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bazooka Luca podcast. I am your host, Bazooka Luca. You know that. You just heard Peter Bjorn and John with Dig a Little Deeper off their new album titled Gimme Some. That's an album I haven't really listened to much, but that song struck me as a good podcast opener. It's got pep. So uh, there you go. You've made it on the show, Peter Bjorn and John. Congrats. Tell you what, though, uh, Bjorn, I'm looking at you, buddy. Put some whistling in that song. And uh, maybe next time I'll play the whole thing, not just a snippet. Whistling, that's the ticket. I worked on that young folks song. So if it ain't broke, come on, boys. You know the rest. Anyway, once again, welcome, friends. I sound like John McCain when I say that, but uh, you are my friends and I am welcoming you, so what else can I say? Welcome, friends. This is episode, what, like, seven? Do I even need to count them anymore? By now, this podcast should be a monthly staple for you, no longer a novelty, but a regular part of your life, something you've come to expect, come every eyed of every single month. And as you very well may have noticed, this month's episode is a teensy little bit late. A couple of weeks late, actually. Barely made it out in May. And for that, uh, let me say I am sincerely sorry. I've got uh, no excuse, really. I should have uh, gone to work on it earlier, but I didn't. And nothing can change that now. Nothing at all. So what do you say we just move on and look forwards instead of backwards? This is, after all, a progressive show. It's about looking forward. It's about the future and the present, not the past. So uh, get on board, man. Speaking of the immediate future, on the show today, our favorite Adorable curmudgeon Adrian stops by. We talked a little about the film Bridesmaids. Later, I tackle another stunt critique. This time, the Beastie Boys' new album gets a ridiculous but fair analysis from yours truly. Under uh, some stressful and distracting conditions, I'm sure. But first... Ockerville River just released a new album called I Am Very Far, and this is a track off of that named Wake and Be Fine. So enjoy it. Adrian and I will greet you on the other side of it. See you in a minute.
Are we rolling? Oh, hold on. <laughs> You're so impatient. Sorry. You gotta, you gotta wait. We gotta do, like, a natural kind of start. Oh, okay. And, uh... Well, I know you're gonna edit this, so I'm not really... You're not... Well, I'm definitely not gonna edit this part out now. Because <laughs> it's... Because <laughs> we referred to it. Mm, okay. So I gotta leave it in. All right. Yeah, okay. Um, with me now... <laughs> Nothing? Go ahead. It's just... Okay. I think your vinyl chair is going to make, like, farty sounds at some points. Um, so, well, we just might want to warn people that that's what that is. It's not me. It's just, you're not farting. I never fart. Yeah, you've never farted. With me in the Bazooka Luka compound is Adrian. Say hello, Adrian. Hi, Adrian. Oh. <laughs> Why'd you have to do that? I don't know. It's late. It is late. It's uh, about one forty in the morning. In fact, it is exactly one forty in the morning, as per my clock. We have uh, just returned from uh, watching a movie. What is that movie, Adrian? Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. Uh, so uh, I thought we would we could we could talk about it a little bit. Since it is a highly anticipated movie, I don't mm -hmm. know, is it? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I think so. When did you hear about it first? Um, when I saw the previews on television a couple of weeks ago, so I've been <laughs> so, anticipating so it for at been, least a couple of weeks. It's been highly anticipated <laughs> for two weeks, at least. <laughs> but, you know, I have been in Iowa. I'm not really with the times. That's right. Although I probably see more commercials than you. Uh, sure. Why not? <laughs> So anyway, yeah, we just saw Bridesmaids. Um, it's it's been billed as a female hangover, kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, it has been. Which uh, well, let's let's explore it. What, what did you think? Um, no, I don't agree with that. Just because it centers around a wedding, and yeah, I mean that's a pretty common theme. Weddings. This wasn't a bachelorette party. They didn't even have a bachelorette party. No, not really. Which you can find out if you go see the movie, I guess. I don't want to ruin it for you. No, this is not... I'm, I don't give a shit about spoilers. So. Oh, okay. Well, fuck y'all then. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to spoil the shit it's out a, of this. It's a comedy. <laughs> what are you going to spoil? I don't know. It's not like, oh, you know what? She was dead all along. Well, she was. The, the fucking sled. <laughs> that was Rosebud. You know what? In the end, she's a dude. Okay. So. Yeah, no, there's no surprise ending, but um, no, I, I don't really think that it was like a female hangover. It wasn't, it wasn't so debaucherous. It wasn't yeah. anything like that, hiding things from your mate. And I think that the, um, uh, but it, that comparison is obviously unavoidable because so, it is about the, the days leading up to a wedding. So do you think that's why it was kind of marketed or, or at least word was around that it's like it's like uh the hangover with women well yeah i mean it's it's comedy so you think it was it was marketed that way because of the wedding or because let's see i think both because it's because of the subject matter but also it's comedy it has some pretty famous comedic figures in it yeah you know so the that's the only reason you think it was uh, Mark. Are you fishing for something here, no, Andy? 
<laughs> yes. Why don't you tell me? Yes, I am, but right. I'm trying to make this natural. <laughs> okay. Um, well, no, I just, I just think it, it's interesting because uh, uh, The Hangover was kind of a, a out-of-nowhere success. I don't think anybody was expecting it to do as well as it did. Right. And uh, obviously, you know, it was a funny movie. I liked it. Um, but... It it's also like in in line with with a lot of comedies that come out of Hollywood that are male centered. Um, they are from a very kind of man centric view, mm-hmm. and they're juvenile. They kind of uh, tend to play to that crowd yeah. of you know fratty humor that kind but of. But I stuff. think this movie was much more. I don't. I love The Hangover, yeah. and I don't. I'm not bothered by that type of fratty humor, or whatever you want to call it, at all. But this movie was not that kind of childish humor right. at all. Maybe you were, people were expecting it from the previews. I, I remember the first preview I saw was you know the food poisoning the in the bridesmaids shop. Yeah, where they're looking at dresses and they're all wearing wedding dresses and they have you know they're clearly all coming down with a case of food poisoning which is not a good thing to have in a bridal salon obviously right um so it might have just been maybe it was kind of marketed as a little more raunchy than it was but it really wasn't that raunchy at all yeah well i mean that and that's kind or of gross w- you know i mean there wasn't anything like sexual or yeah it was it wasn't nearly as no as, you know there were no pushing tiny boundaries. naked asian men no Although it's springing from you know, cars, it w- it wouldn't have hurt to have one. No, we didn't need any ball sack. It was fine. Well, I think you know what I what I kind of wanted to talk about. What I wanted to talk about with you was uh, well, motorcycle. I should have I should sh- have like a it's drag racing. <laughs> there's people drag racing on Memorial right now, and the <laughs> mic's probably not picking that up, but we can hear it clearly. There may be gunshots later. Stay tuned. Yeah. We, n- we never know what's going to happen here. The compound is not in the greatest of neighborhoods. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> Don't gonna, give away I'm, our secret location. I'm not say where it is. Um, anyway, what was I saying? Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah. I'm doing the, <laughs> b- the uh, thing again, which I don't know. Because I don't, I don't really say that when I'm not in front of a mic, do I? I don't think so. Mm-mm. Yeah. You, okay. The movie has been marketed in a certain way, I think, uh, to try and draw in maybe a, a more of a male audience. Male audience, and that's kind of weird because that doesn't happen very often, does it? In Hollywood, it's usually the other way around. It's usually trying well, to, but usually you don't have such a female-centered movie. I'm, I yeah. mean, there was this movie was almost completely devoid of any male character, and the few, what two male characters even had lines. Yeah. In the movie. And I mean, the guy who played the cop, you know, he wasn't even really that funny. I found the scenes with him to be the least interesting. John yeah. Hamm's character was, you know, funny, but pretty one dimensional. Do you think they so, did that on purpose? Is kind of like flipping on the, you know, flipping I don't the script? know whether or not it's on. Pur- I don't I don't really care whether or not it's on purpose. I just like that there is a comedy movie that's hilarious and yeah. that there were a lot of guys in the audience. Yeah. Um, and, um, actually I didn't even really want to see this movie until you told me you wanted to see it. Yeah. 
And then I heard from other people that I thought it looked lame. Right. Honestly, from the previews. I thought yeah, it looked lame. Yeah, the previews lame. didn't look that... I mean, there's um, so many movies about fucking weddings. It's like enough already. Right. Yeah. And um, I don't know. But when you said you thought it looked funny, I was... You know, I usually trust you. We have kind of the same taste in comedies. Yeah. Not necessarily in other things. Wow, um, that sounded mean. No, it wasn't at all. <laughs> you like boring stuff like Mad Men. It's not boring. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, uh, Mad Men's own John Hamm was in it. Mm-hmm. Playing. Did you like a, how I did that? Yeah, that was. <laughs> and I, you know, I took it. I took the I took hook. my bait. Yeah. Um, yeah, so John Hamm's in it. He plays like a straight up asshole. Which is funny because... Uh, it's funny at first. Yeah. It's it's nice to see him in a comedic role because Although he does not, it. Like he's not trying to be funny. But though. in the beginning, it was the, that scene with him in the very beginning, the first scene of the movie was really funny. Yeah. Um, And it, it's nice to see him like that because he does it so well. Yeah. And also, I, I find it like he can pull that off. Oh, yeah. Because, well, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in love with the guy myself. Just because I, I think he's pretty awesome, and you know, no, I'm, well, I've 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 heard him on a lot of podcasts, and he's a big comedy guy. Like he's really big on the L.A. comedy scene, and which you would never know just from watching yeah. Mad Men. And he's like, and everybody speaks really highly of him. Like anybody who meets John Hamm is like, oh my god, he's like the nicest guy, and he's really funny and down to earth, and you know, yeah. whatever. Which is it's good to hear. I I think. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's just talk about John Hamm the whole time. No, let's not, oh, because God, he was in so the dreamy. movie for about a total of um, maybe seven minutes. <laughs> um. So no, I think we're done talking about. Okay. Well, yeah. John Hamm. Cool. Let's talk about the female characters. Which yeah. Were... Okay. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. See, this is the problem. This yeah. is why. So, do you think that they had to? Uh, uh, I see. I don't. I have no idea what the process of this movie was, or who wrote it, or what the deal is. But do you think that they had to frame this female-centric comedy around a wedding, like, for uh, for a reason? Um, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really think about it. I don't care. It was funny. It was a, it was a funny way to bring a bunch of totally different characters together. Yeah. And, I mean, there's not many... That's what was funny about this movie was the... the what was it? I guess six totally different... Um, characters in the women. Yeah. How how would you bring that in when you typically when you have a you know television show a movie and it's about female characters they're all friends they're all friends for a reason right because they're kind of similar and yeah um but these were all pretty different except for the you know the two main characters I guess right but um so you think they framed they framed around a wedding because first of all it's it's a familiar situation to people that they're easily related, re- related, relating to. I, ugh, I can't talk. And it's it's a situation which brings people together, which kind of is the point of the movie is to show yeah. how they react to situations together and blah, blah, blah. So you don't think it has anything to do with... Making women go see a movie about yeah. weddings? I don't think so. Give no. us a little more credit than that, please. Well, I'm not saying that's what I think. I'm trying to explore why aren't there more comedies that have just a lot of female characters? I haven't because we still have the stereotype that women are funny. 
Do you think that exists? Um, I think it's, I think it's not only a stereotype that women aren't funny, but there's also a lack of strong female characters in any type of movie. It's not just comedy. Yeah. Um, you have it in, you know, it, it's any, any woman and the previews, for example, that we saw that Anna Ferris movie. Uh-huh. Um, I forgot what it's called. Um, yeah. but that's, that's a typical female fronted comedy is a woman. Oh, I can't find a boyfriend yeah. because I don't know if that's what people think women will find funny. This whole attitude of a chick flick. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it works apparently because movies like that make a lot of money, but, I, but I don't know if they do, but they make enough money that they make to keep they going. Profit. Yeah. 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 Which is all that matters. And. I mean, it's never going to, a chick flick is never going to be a big summer blockbuster, except maybe the first Sex in the City kicked ass at the box office. But, um, however, like, you know, I, of course I agree with you on all those points, but at the same time tonight, while we were watching a movie, whenever there would be like a cutesy, something nice would happen Oh, like, oh, the guy showed up for her. Oh. What, what, yeah, exactly. That's what we heard in the theater. Like it's a disgusting. bunch of people mm-hmm. reacting in those ways, which makes me think, oh my God, these are the people who are going to see these shitty comedies. Not, I'm not talking about Bridesmaids, but I'm talking about this other Anna Ferris movie or whatever. Any shitty, other chick yeah. flick comedy. Chick flick comedies, you know, those kind of feel good. Guess what? She gets the guy in the end. Yeah, exactly. Every time. So, so I was like, oh my God, these are the people who are going to go see this goddamn movies yes. and keep them being made. So. But they're going to see this movie too. So, is, I mean. Is the perception that we deserve better wrong? That most people are exactly happy with what they're getting from Hollywood? Well, I mean, it's the. But yeah, sure. So a lot of women are going to go and see those shitty chick flicks. But also, a lot of people, like when we're standing in line, um, tons of people going to see the Pirates of the Caribbean Part 17 or whatever the hell they're on right now. Yeah. And I can't believe people are going to see that movie still because it's the same movie repackaged every single year. And like I told you, I lost interest in that within the first 40 minutes of the first one. Yeah. And the fact that people are still going to see that, they just, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think people expect that much (laughs) and they're impressed by pretty little. Yeah. For the most part. I think your average person just wants to go to the movies and have a feel good time. And they don't really care that they spent um, $12 on just some bullshit yeah plus but i do because i'm yeah. cheap plus you know like spending on parking yeah and of maybe, course for me to know, spend food. 12 dollars on a movie i mean it, it's it's easy to spend like 30 bucks in a night oh, absolutely. just to see a movie absolutely and so it needs for me it needs to be worth it but you know maybe for the average american that's not the case so so i mean is it cynical uh, is it a cynical position from Hollywood to be like, well, does they'll eat it up anyways, so give them some shit? Or should is do they have responsibility to try and make a better product, to try and play to a smarter audience, to try and, you know, further women's uh, place in movies? Do they have a responsibility to that? Hollywood? Yeah. I mean... 
No, I don't think Hollywood has any obligation to us, really. Yeah. Um, but you know, I just not totally changing the subject, but a little bit. Um, I read a something last week with Kristen Wiig, and it, she was saying it was it was before the movie came came out. Um, and uh, she was saying we have to um basically if this if this movie is terrible we're fucked <laughs> yeah, yeah i just said not in so many words i don't remember exactly what she said but um that they had a lot to live up to and that a lot was kind of um relying on this movie being funny to a general audience and probably right. not just to women but to women and men yeah um and i read that and i kind of thought like oh don't are you don't are you kidding yourself? Do you think you're Tina Fey? Um, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler have tried to make a movie together, and guess what? It wasn't that funny. And yeah. and Baby Mama is, of course, what I'm talking about. It was okay, but wasn't that great? And it wasn't as you know, um, female fronted as this movie was. There were strong male characters in that movie. Yeah. Um, and this was pretty much an all-female cast. And so I, I do think that they have done something um, that no one else has really done. Yeah. And why is it... I mean, this only seems to be a problem with with comedies, mostly. Because, you know, I mean, obviously dramas, there's been a lot of female-led casts and... Such as? Dramas? I mean, I don't know, like... Uh, Whatever. Not to put you on the spot, but yeah. I mean, I can't think of one that that had almost no male characters. Okay, well, well I mean, I'm, I'm except not, if you, unless you important. go back to. I mean, the, why is that important to have no male characters? No, it's it's not. But but in just like to I'm compare. saying, like I'm saying, uh, a a film that portrays women as women and not just scenery. There's been, I think, there's more. There of the, are some, there's, yeah, there's and there's more, more and more and more, but it's still not there, not as many as, as men. Yeah, okay, well, I, I understand, but I'm just saying, like, why is it that comedy is the one that usually gets singled out as really lacking in the women's department? Because you know, I think there's been more movies like in drama, and you know, and maybe like there's definitely hasn't been that many great. Uh, female-friendly horror movies, obviously, or, like, right. action movies, you know, besides, like, Aliens or Terminator mm-hmm. 2 or something, uh, where there were strong lead female characters. Uh, but it seems like lately, comedy is the is the one genre that gets, that gets singled out more. Yeah, I mean, there aren't that many super famous women who can carry, like, a summer blockbuster... In comedy, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, who who is? Yeah. Well, I mean, because first of the all, comedic women usually aren't the blockbusters in the summer. But. Yeah, but I mean, this is a big movie. It's already made a lot of money. Yeah, and this movie, I think, you it's know, not it's like a, a July Fourth opener, but of course, I mean, it's still considered a summer movie, and it's a and it's a big success. I know that most of the summer movies are yeah. action movies and whatever, but um, but still, I mean, what what well, famous comedic female act are out there i mean the ones i think of are the ones who are in those um crappy chick flick movies yeah and that's what i'm trying like to get Anna at ferris and katherine heigl and whoever yeah. you know that's what i'm trying to get at is is the stigma of women aren't funny 
holding them back, especially in comedy? I can't answer that question. (laughs) Well, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just trying to discuss it. Uh, I mean, obviously, I don't think women are less funny than men. I don't know many people who have pointed that out to me. Uh, I know Shalewa, who was on last month's podcast, has said to me that she's had women come up to her and say, oh, my God, you're like the first women woman comic that I've laughed at. And she's like, really? You know, and it and it's mostly mm-hmm. women who say that to her, mm-hmm. which is even weirder. Do you know people who have said that to you? Has anybody ever said that to you? No, have but you I mean, I hang that? out with a largely feminist group. So I don't think anyone in my life would say that or think that. So, but I, but you know, I know that it's a, it's a pretty common thought. Yeah. Misconception. Or seems to be, or, um, maybe it's not even as, I mean, comedy is a boys club and it kind of always has been. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, mean, you know, better than I everything is a boys club, really. Traditionally. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Even cooking, ever since cooking came competitive, it's only men in the kitchen. Hey, look, Bobby Flay <laughs> needs to fucking beat you at the thing that you do the best. Yeah. All right? He doesn't, and that's not about being a man or a woman. That's just about Bobby Flay being an it's asshole. It's just about being a douchebag. <laughs> Um, Kristen Wiig, like, I usually don't think Kristen Wiig is that funny. I despise her pretty much always, actually. I hate every character she plays on Saturday Night Live because all her characters are the same and do this force and they drive me crazy. And I hate that Target lady. I want to wring that damn Target lady's neck. And (laughs) I've never seen a skit with her that I thought was funny, honestly. And that's one of the reasons I didn't care to go see this movie. I was like, oh, Kristen Wiig, she's so annoying. Although I did really like her character in Whip It. I I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but it was a great movie and very not not a comedy, but very, um, you know, had a great feminist message and a great message to young women. Yeah. Um. So I would recommend it if the readers haven't seen it. Readers, readers, listeners, whatever you're doing, you our viewers, put out a our viewers at home, <laughs> to the viewers at home. <laughs> I will not write this fucking show down for um, anyone. But um, I did like her character in that. But she played this very, you know, kind of roller derby woman single mom, and she it was a very laid back character. It wasn't yeah. this over the top kind of. Um, so that's the only thing I've ever really liked her in. And she was kind of more like that in, in this movie. And I, I did, I thought her acting was great. I thought she was hilarious. I was, I was in it, you know, from the very first scene, Yeah. you know, in that second scene of them doing the exercise behind the tree in the park, I was like, okay, well I can, I can do this. I can appreciate Kristen yeah. Wiig. And yeah. I've always liked Maya Rudolph. Yeah. Maya Rudolph's awesome. Um, I think she does equally well at, at um kind of like the more dramatic scenes and the funny scenes. And I think yeah. that's, that's a pretty cool thing. Um, but um, yeah, no, usually I despise Kristen Wiig. She drives me insane. Yeah. And I but thought she, I she thought did a she great job a, in this. Did, yeah. And I wish that they had more of that type of comedy for her on. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. We don't even watch that show anymore. Who yeah. But I mean, I see, <laughs> I don't watch the whole episode, but I'll, 
you know, see the yeah, funny no. clips on Hulu yeah. Yeah. or whatever. And guess what? They're never with her because they're never funny. Yeah. And, and you that's know, sad. Saturday Night Live is kind of like, you know, your old friend who you want to... You want it to you be want funny You want him to be as funny so as he bad. used to be in high school. And so sometimes you hang out with him and you're like, oh, oh. you're not you're not as funny as you used to be. <laughs> but you're still trying just as hard. Which is just kind of pathetic. Yeah. Um, but they have their shiny moments here and there. Yeah. I can't think of any right now. But, you know, they, they do sometimes. We have some... You know who's great on it is John Hamm. He is always great when he hosts Saturday Night Live. Yeah, he is. That's because he's a great guy. I wish great actor. that you didn't have like this creepy obsession with John Hamm. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just the saying. The Bazooka it. Luca compound is covered in John Hamm posters. It's really <laughs> creepy. <laughs> They're even on the ceiling. Oh, especially on the ceiling. Ugh. No, if I was to go gay, I mean, that's not a bad place okay, to Okay, this is not about John Hamm. We're done. Okay. <laughs> well, we don't have to talk about him now, but oh, I'm sure we'll be talking about him later. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, I just wanted to get some thoughts out after we saw the movie. Get them on tape, even though a tape. Are we no... recording this on a tape deck? Yeah. The the reel to reel right here. Mm, okay. Um, and I'm I'm glad you you could talk about it with me. Even though I had to like force you to do it because you well, don't want to do it. Well, it's two a.m. It's late. So what? You know what? <laughs> Tomorrow's Saturday. No, no, no. Okay. You can cut that out. <laughs> this will not be edited. <laughs> I will not edit a goddamn second of this fucking interview. <laughs> this is all going in. It's all staying. Even this part when I'm just rambling on and you're just looking at me. Disappointed. It's very unprofessional. <laughs> this, you... this is a free show. <laughs> I don't get paid for this do shit. Do you do this with your other guests? What? Or is it just because I live here? Well, nobody lives on the compound, first of all. Let's. Shh. We, we oh, gotta... sorry. We yeah. don't live here. This yeah. is a compound. Yeah, it's like a yeah. bunker on the hill. Yes. With Johnny Ham posters <laughs> covering every surface. <laughs> <laughs> It makes it homely. Homely. And drawings of John Hamm done by Bazooka Luca. The perspective is kind of weird. Like the eyes are always a little bit. And the like... cock is huge. <laughs> it's really weird. All right. All right. All right. I think, it, I think it's time to go now. Yes. Um, thanks for uh, talking to me about this. Adrian. Oh, you're thanking me. I thought you were thanking the viewers, listeners, readers. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't think you don't them. thank them. Not not until later. Oh, okay. Thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> can we expect another uh, random uh, act of hatred from you? Anytime I, I soon? think it's going to be on this episode, actually. Uh, probably not. Probably yeah. The next one. No, it's going to be on this one. No, probably not. <laughs> okay. All right, thanks. Bye. I'm a fucking walking paradox. No, I'm not. Threesomes with a fucking triceratops. 
Reptard, rapping as I'm mocking deaf rock stars, wearing synthetic wigs made of Anwar's dreadlocks, bedrock, harder than a motherfucking Flintstone, making crack rocks out of pussy nigga fish bones. This nigga Jasper trying to get grown, about five, seven of his bitches in my bedroom. Swallow the cinnamon, I'ma scribble this shit and shit while Sid is telling me that she's been getting intimate with men. Sid, shut the fuck up. the number to my therapist, you tell him all your problems, he's fucking awesome with listening. Jesus called, he said he's sick of the dances I told him to quit bitching, it says in the Fucking work and I think I'm wasting my damn time. I'm clocking three past six and going postal. This the revenge of the dicks. That's nine cocks that cock nine. This ain't no V Tech shit or Columbine. But after bowling, I went home for some damn adventure time. What you do? I slipped myself some pink zannies and danced around the house and all over print panties. My mom's gone. I'm fucking broad will never understand me. I'm not gay. I just want to boogie to some Marvin. What you think of Haley Wood? Fuck her. Wolf Haley robbing him. I'll crash that fucking airplane at that faggot nigga Bob is in and stab Bruno Mars in his goddamn esophagus and won't stop until the cops come in. I'm an overachiever, so how about I start a team of leaders and pick up Stevie Wonder to be the wide receiver? Green paper, gold teeth, and pregnant gold retrievers, all I want. Fuck money, diamonds, and bitches don't need them. But where the fat ones at? I got something to feed them. It's some cooking books, the black kids never wanted to read them. Snap back, green chicks, chia fucking leaves. It's been a couple months and Tina still ain't perma fucking weave. Damn. So I beat this shay up with a stack of magazines I'm in. Oh, not again. Another critic writing report. I'm stabbing any blog and faggot hipster with a pitchfork. Still suicidal, I am. I'm Wolf. Tyler put this fucking knife in my hand. I'm Wolf. Ace gonna put that fucking hole in my head. And I'm Wolf. That was me who shoved the cock in your bitch. What the I just want to know if my father would ever like me But I don't give a fuck, so he's probably just like me A motherfucking goblin Fuck everything, man That's what my conscience said Then it bunny hopped off my shoulder Now my conscience dead Now the only guidance that I had is splattered on cement Actions speak louder than words Let me try this shit Dead That was Tyler, the creator, with Yonkers, a song off his second, much-talked-about album, Goblin. 
lots of controversy around that album's dark content. Some people up in arms. But really, come on. It's uh, it's too self-aware to be anything anyone should get uh, worked up about. It's just a kid being provocative for the sake of being provocative. It's nothing new. And yet, the same people fucking fall for it every goddamn time. <sighs> but uh, I, I like that song a lot. Um, and what is he, like 20? He'll rise above the button-pushing tactic when he grows up a bit. Give him a break. He's, uh, he's, he's really got some promise. And uh, speaking of kids with promise, the Beastie Boys were once talked about in that manner all the way back in the mid-1980s. So uh, what now? 25 years later, are they still relevant? Can they still kick it? Uh, here, help me out, Hadrock. Can you still... Kick it! Thank you. Anyway, I aim to find out in this edition of Stunt Critique. I will review their new album, Hot Sauce Committee Part 2. And of course, this being Stunt Critique, I'll be doing in something dumb while trying to formulate thoughts. In this case, I have a drum machine here in front of me. I will attempt to bang out some beats during the review. And I have very little rhythm. But uh, that's how this works. So here we go. Stunt. Critique. Beastie Boys. regretting this it's not gonna be easy I have to stay completely focused otherwise I'm gonna lose the beat I don't know if I can do this alright let's go uh uh I'm not going to rap through this. What are you thinking? I'm not that skilled. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Ready? Here we go. Hot Sauce Committee Part 2 is the first full-fledged Beastie Boys album since 2004's Two to Five Burrows been long delayed because of Adam Yao's battle of cancer their original concept for the album apparently had to be scrapped 
after he was uh, diagnosed. Hence, uh, the part two um, after the title. Huh. <laughs> there is no part one. Um, this is probably their closest in spirit uh, to 1992's Check Your Head. It has a lot of actual instrumentation. So I don't really know why I'm fucking playing a drum machine right now. But anyway, it really benefits from the looseness of the live instruments. Like on the first single, make some noise. A banger. I'm getting the hang of this. I think it helps if I go faster. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Okay. Um, Like I said, the album is pretty loose. The second song, Nonstop Disco Power Pack, features great bass uh, from, from Yao. Which uh, I've always enjoyed in Beastie Boys songs. Uh, songs like uh, Gratitude and Sabotage. Great bass lines. Often fuzzy. In this case, kind of snaky, I guess. Not at all rigid. Like this shitty beat. Yikes. This this was a terrible terrible idea.
Um, my favorite thing on the album might just be the intro to the song Too Many Rappers. It's, uh, it's fucking filter-tastic. Awesome stuff. I'll, I'll just play you uh, the intro and then uh, come right back. It's dope. This is not. The, the, the track uh, features uh, Nas, of course, who you just heard uh, there at the end. It's uh, the most attractive. Uh, attractive. It's the most aggressive track uh, on the album as far as the lyrics are concerned. It's uh, your classic I've been here for years type of track cementing the beasties as a bonafide hip-hop legend. Adrock even calls himself a grandpa on the track. But really, who's calling out the beasties nowadays? Their catalog speaks for itself, man. It's essential stuff. Sounds really shitty coming out of that song. Back into this lame ass fucking busted beat. Uh, but anyway, I swear I'm, I'm I'm usually better at this. Uh, you know I'm better at keeping a beat 
when I'm when I'm not talking. How does Phil Collins do this shit? And he sings. Ah, well, sort of. Anywho, Nas is not the only guest. Oh, Jesus. It's even worse when I try to change it up. <laughs> Santi Gold uh, appears on uh, a track called uh, Don't Play No Game, I Can't Win, a uh, reggae-inspired song. It's a nice change of pace, unlike what I just did. And uh, it's definitely the most commercial track uh, due to uh, Santi Gold's radio-friendly voice. Ugh, I'm, I'm losing the plot here. Committee Part Two tends to uh, meander a bit in the in the second half, like a lot of the Beastie Boys albums. Uh, but they do manage uh, to throw in an old school hardcore tribute to the Six Million Dollar Man. Oh. The, the, the song is called uh, Lee Majors Come Again uh, they do their uh, New York punk rock hardcore thing that they do so well I fear that I'm not doing anything well here let's just go to a clip So let's wrap it up. Final thoughts. You've probably had enough of this shit. I know I have. 
Hot Sauce Committee Part 2 is a fine return for the Beastie Boys. It's not really a top-to-bottom classic like Paul's Boutique or Ill Communication or anything. And I can't help but wonder what it would have been like if uh, Adam Yao hadn't had the misfortune of having cancer. Um, you know, it disrupted his, his life and work while they were making this album. Still, it, it's a really enjoyable album. And any fan will be pleased. And how could they not? I mean, everyone loves the Beasties, right? They're great. Let's all be happy about this. And let's be happy. This is about to be my last beat. Peace. Oh, and uh, Beastie Boys, you most definitely can still kick it! That's going to do it, kids. Another episode in the books, the podcast books. I'd like to thank my guest, Adrian. Look for her latest random act of hatred on the next episode. I know it'll be enjoyable. I want to thank you, as always, for listening. If you can, please visit www.bazookaluka.com for some stellar blog posts Follow me on Twitter, at BazookaLuca, where I'm much, much more entertaining and filthy than I am on my Facebook page, which uh, you should also like, regardless of how clean it is. And uh, please, leave a review and rate me on iTunes. It's the only way I'll show up in the listings for podcasts. And I always welcome new listeners, so tell a friend, or 20 about this podcast, you may save a life. I'm not sure how, but uh, you'd be surprised at the power of word of mouth. I leave you now with uh, David Bazan, a song called Future Past, off his new album, Strange Negotiations. I'll be back soon. Not late this time. I promise. I love you so much.
Thank you for listening to the Bazooka Luca podcast.